Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is the modern-day Pittsburgh kid who just had himself a complete Pittsburgh layover day today in and around our fair city, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Three Pirate games in four days, all the Braves-Pirates games but one. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. And, um, yeah, so I'm really ready to talk baseball now. Good stuff, man. And joining us today for the first time uh, is a new guest, Casey Hercula. He grew up in New Stanton and fell in love with baseball back in 2008. So he's a relatively newcomer, I would say. He's not one of these ones that got jaded by Sid Bream and, and moved on with his life, sadly, and probably destroyed their first marriage over it like Jim and I. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, But he grew up... Uh, watching the pirates and then now he lives in chicago so uh, he's on here to talk bucks with us and casey welcome to the pirates fan forum brother how you doing doing well thanks for having me i'm really excited to join y'all and um like i was telling you earlier before we joined started this is my thursday afternoon listening to you guys so it's great to be here talk some buckos that's awesome, Casey. And I think it's incredible how many fans that we have connected with, Jim, that live in Chicago because they have two teams to choose from there, you know? And right. with relative success in on some counts, I can understand jumping ship from the Sox right now, but you know, all in all, it's pretty cool that they still pick the Buckos. And, and that, that has to mean something, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I question their life decisions, but, you know, I mean, from a sports <laughs> standpoint, I like it. Uh, so today we're going to talk about um, the things we've learned about this team in 2023. I think the things that we think are at least rock solid discoveries. Uh, we're going to talk about the questions that we think remain open. We're going to talk about Jack and Bednar. And talk a decent amount of the time about how fun this series was with the Braves. Um, even while our club split the series, that's really where we should start, gentlemen. This four-game set was exactly what you want to see. Tons of talent on both sides of the diamond. Tension, pitching, offense, base running, defense, important vets and kids rowing in the same direction. I mean this sincerely. If they had gone 0 and 4 I'm saying the same things. Each of these games was a dogfight, and I loved every second of it. Casey, what do you think, man? What were your takeaways from this series? Uh, absolutely. Uh, just to show heart and, and fight that they haven't had since April, to be honest with you. Some some of these games after when we turned it into May just have been kind of hard to watch. But bringing these, these young guys up, I think, is given some juice to maybe even Brian Reynolds and now key looks healthy and uh, also even delay, you know, I think he's been a solid uh, backup option and he had a big game today. He helped us win the game today. So I think we could have easily swept this series. Um, but I think this series, even splitting was more impressive than sweeping LA last year um, when we were in LA, because I think they showed heart and fight that, Honestly, I probably haven't seen since the last playoff push in the in the 20 teens. So, 
awesome, man. And Jim, I think he's right, except, you know, he said we could have easily swept them, and I don't think they could have easily done anything in this series. Everything was hard fought on both sides. This was just flat out a great baseball series, Jim. And you were there for a lot of it. So talk about it, man. Yeah, it was. Can you hear me, by the way? Yeah. Okay, good. Because I'm, I'm still dealing with some kinks over here. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, listen, um, just being there at, at that series for the most part, um, I think like the overwhelming sentiment I got from talking to people, uh, even some Braves fans, they were like, this has been the best series of the year, even from their perspective, which I thought was, you know, I mean... I don't know if uh, I don't know how familiar they are with pirates. You know, I think they know that they're they're still you know down, but um, yeah, I mean like, and I I do agree with Casey. I think like, hey, the Dodgers thing was nice last year. It gave us a, a little bit of you know a little shot in the arm when we needed it. But now now it's a little different. We really need to see that it's maybe you know because of some. Of, of the younger guys. And I don't think necessarily last year that was really the case. We, we, you know, uh, it just was one of those weird series. They legitimately played with them every game, um, yeah. to make it, to make an argument that, you know, they probably should have won three of those games. I would say, you know, they're one, one out away from winning three of them. So, um, yeah, like, I don't know how you can't come away from a series like that in mid-August against the Braves, who, man, scary looking at that lineup. And uh, somehow they found a way, and it wasn't really, you know, um, it wasn't really just one thing or the other. They got some really timely hitting. They got some timely pitching when they had to have it. They came back in games. Yeah. Um, Just kind of all the things you really do want to see when you're trying to judge maybe where this thing is at it was strange too because neither team's starters really pitched they were i mean they were pretty bad and and both teams just punched back against the other one's starters nibbled away against the other team's bullpens here and there bullpens still kind of stood firm there at times for the braves and the pirates both got them back into the back end and you know there was some drama like throughout these games they they were Back and forth dogfights. This was two. It, it had the feel of two heavyweights standing there, just punching each other in the chops, not even trying to block anymore. You know, and right. and when you look at them on paper, and and obviously where these teams are going, I'm not sitting here telling you the Pirates are anywhere near the Braves, but but watching this and just seeing the kids punching up at a team like that. And not allowing themselves to get punched down. Crazy. I, I loved every second of this series, really and truly. Even well, when Bednar failed in in uh, the, the other game to to secure the save. Yeah. You almost had a feeling like, hey, <laughs> that's gonna happen. Well, and, and I thought like the last game was really kind of like the true test, because I felt like Maybe they, you know, you could get a little, even look, they shouldn't do this, but you could see them being content with just playing with them for three games mm-hmm. and maybe getting, um, 
maybe getting a little bit of uh, a taste of the Braves on that la- in that last game and them running away with it. And right. um, didn't happen. They they weren't they weren't satisfied with just playing well the first three games. They saw it through. So all in all, you know, it's a split. But you got to realize what you're up against too. I also can't say how many games I've watched this year where they fell behind like four nothing or whatever, and you knew the game was over. So, like scoring four runs just seemed like something that just couldn't happen. And and right now, I'm not again saying they're anything like the Braves, but I am looking at the lineup a little differently. I'm now looking at a lineup where I'm not seeing a whole lot of easy breaks either. You know, you can consider Jack in, in his one for 29 before today, and you can go, okay, there's a break. He's still got to pitch him right. If you make a mistake to him, he's still going to hurt you. You know, you're still trying to flip a scorpion over with the toothpick. It's not safe to, to pitch to anybody in that lineup right now, including Jason DeLay, who seems to just annoy people <laughs> enough to get a few at-bats here and there, especially in big moments. Mm-hmm. Man, he's got that clutch gene, doesn't he? He really does. So let's take a quick break right now, come back. Let's see if we can apply some of what we saw in this series to what we can take away from the entire season so far. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. We're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and I'm slipping my glasses back on so that I can read a comment from Jeremy Morrison here, because I think it's going to start us out on this conversation in a good way. Uh, This series showed that there is something there. Still need more starting pitchers and first base in the offseason, but very nice to see the kids and vets. Hayes, Reynolds, Kutch swinging the bats and finding success. So I agree with everything Jeremy had to say here. And Casey, I'll start with you. Um, And Jim, I'm going to start muting you when you're not talking. So I don't hear the feedback. Okay. So if you start to interject, put your finger up. So I know and I'll put you back on. All right. But Casey, just from this series and then kind of back a little bit to when you got the kids coming up, are you seeing enough of the pieces start to come together that you you can see what's forming or do you still feel like it's so far away? You're not ready to start stamping anybody in place yet. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that the, I think our position players are starting to show some, some heart. I really think, I think Davis is a right fielder. I think we kind of need to like stick him there and let him learn it. He had 13 games in the minor league in his whole career in the outfield. So of course yeah. you're going to be making these mistakes, but man's got a cannon. 
he made a great play today against uh who was it that hit like 110 miles per hour in the eighth jumps up catches it um so i mean he ha- he has room Olsen. to grow it was Olsen. Olsen. Yeah, yeah yeah he he lined that ball and you know i think i i honestly say stop trying to say he's a catcher let him just be able to focus on one thing and that bats can be dangerous i think it will help his offense too once he finally has a position that he can be settled down in. And I think, you know, you got Paggy showing some life. Maybe that's your second base option. Maybe that's finally settled down potentially. I think the rest of this year shows that. Um, and he's looked great behind the plate. I think he has leadership, his guts. I really think there's a lot of good pieces in the lineup. I do think what really depends on how this progresses is how these starting pitchers that we have in the minor leagues ones that were in the, in, in the bigs like Roe and, and um, Ortiz, if they can come back, I really think that's going to be kind of, Hey, are we going to compete in 2024, 2025? Or is this going to be a failed, you know, rebuild? Cause we're not going to have the money or well, we might have the money, but we're not going to spend the money for the big arms to start for us. So yeah, I think that the development of our pitchers is going to be really big. All right, so Jim, I agree with what Casey has to say there. I think that's all stuff we've touched on in the past, right? We we think we're starting to see some of those pieces, and we also see that they need to spend some money in certain areas, starting pitching mainly. From from your perspective, have they hammered any pieces in place here that you just aren't going to let go of? You're sure they're going to be in this come North party next year. You're just looking at it, and you can just tell. Well, I think you've got <clears throat> you've got some of those guys in place. We might not know exactly what's going on with Henry Davis and where he might end up. I, I I happen to think if he just gets a little more time, he can be he'll be fine in right field. Um, you know, you have Reynolds, uh, you have Endy, you have Henry, you have. Um, whether people like it or not, you have Hayes. Um, by the way, I think you see what a difference it, it makes in this lineup when Brian Hayes can offer you something at the plate. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be doesn't have to be necessarily nine RBIs and a series um, type stuff, but he's got to give you something, and when he does, it changes things. Um, so that's a point that I was wanted to make in the first uh, segment, but I think it still fits. It's a point that Pirate Queen makes here too. Um, the offense is becoming varied in a really good and effective way. And I, I think that kind of circles back to what you were just saying, Jim, which by the way, all the feedback seems to be working out now. So um, she, what she just said is absolutely true, but I think it really comes down to what we saw even last season and early this season. If Reynolds, and Hayes hit, this offense has a whole lot of potential. If either of them don't, everything's buttered. I'm wondering if there's just too much reliance on them, really. You know, um, probably fair. It's probably fair to say there is. They have to conquer that. And I think the kids are helping to conquer that in a way because Peggy will step up and. and Rodrigo will step up and do that. Davis, every once in a while, contributes. Jack was on his week off the air this year. 
Nothing locomotes this offense like Hayes and Reynolds when they're both going. I just don't know any way around that. And I think it's important to point out that uh, remember a couple weeks ago, I, I, I brought up on the show that some of the guys were like looking to see if they could get some outside voices, you know, Coinkydink <laughs> that Hayes' dad's around, huh? Coinkydink that Reynolds' dad was just around, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know if you yeah. noticed. It looked like Hayes went back to the leg kick, too, since he's came back off the IL. He dropped the toe tap, and now he has back the leg kick. I was, I saw that one, this series at least. Yeah, and, and I'd also say the Braves were pitching Hayes differently, too. Most people know not to pitch him inside. They were inside to him pretty much the whole series relentlessly, almost as though they didn't read scouting reports because that is not where you pitch to Brian Hayes. Well, it's a good sign. Yeah, it's a good sign that Jim drops off for a couple seconds. <laughs> I, I have no, listen, this is the <laughs> weirdest, weirdest podcast I've, from a technological standpoint I've ever been involved in. I have no idea what's happening. Just bear with me, please, please. Regardless, pick up with your point. No, um, I had a point. I don't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> I think you were talking basically about um, them pitching Hayes inside, and it, it seems good to you that he was able to turn on those. and it, it, That he's healthy. I mean, yeah. because you, you, you cannot, if you have a bad back, those are pitches that, Quite honestly, um, you're going to get exposed, right? Um, so that's the biggest sign to me is that maybe he's just completely healthy right now, right? And you know, the other thing is uh, that is such a big part of this equation is, and this is why another reason I'm pushing uh, for this is let's get Cruz back in this lineup for a month at the end of the season. Let him. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see how they do. I want to see how that all comes together. Yeah. Just to get a just to get a, a a peek at that, and and honestly, get get him those reps. And um, so that's another big factor here. Is you're talking a huge huge component that we you know you almost forget about it, but we need to see what that part looks like too because it it changes the lineup in a lot of ways. Because I think the middle infield is still not settled. I mean, even right now, you know, you have, I mean, I would, I would tell a lot of people like online, just calm down about who plays when right now. I, I think it's fair to say right now they have 13 offensive players they want to see. And I don't have a problem with them playing any of them whenever they want. Like if they want to have Alika Williams and Triolo go for two, three days in a row, I'm okay with that. I love Peggy. I want him in there too. I think he's been effective, but you have to like, understand that guys are going to sit. There's too many guys. And when Cruz comes back, that's just going to get worse. (laughs) I mean, like I don't don't think he's going to come back and play 30 straight games, but no, You know, I I think there's going to be a rotation. I I just think the endless yelling about guys not playing or play this guy every day or calm down, like for real. Like you, 
what Andy's doing right now, he's never carried this kind of catching load in his entire career. That is a lot. That's a lot to go from squatting behind a plate 60 times a year to squatting behind a plate a hundred plus times a year because you did it in the minors and you're doing it up here. There's just ample time for this to be slow rolled, you know, <laughs> let it happen naturally. I, I just think when you onboard all these kids, it's not healthy to, to just immediately infuse them into everything all the time. You can sit people sometimes. It's all right. You're talking squatting. I might call it kneeling. That's not, that's neither here nor there. So we'll just gloss over that topic. But um, I don't know, Casey, like when you see, when you see a lineup and you see that neither um, Henry or Andy is in the lineup, um, does that sit well with you? Uh, Is that too much uh, taking it to the extreme of what Gary's talking about? I get it, especially because Henry's actually struggled the past couple games, like maybe even a couple weeks. So I get like giving him a break. But I think Andy, he can play first too. So there's other options, or even giving him a day of DHing because uh, he could do that as well. So, and I know DH is limited with Kutch, but for your point of not seeing like certain, there's a lot of people that want to get reps. I love Triolo's defense, but I'm really not that high on Triolo. I think he has a lot of lucky hits, no power, which is crazy for how big he is. So I would rather see Peggy getting those at-bats over someone like a Triolo at second base because I think Peggy has, you know, he obviously has the higher potential upside if he can, you know, come to it. But, yeah, I don't know. I do think they all do need at-bats, though, too, so we can iron it out for next year. I think Alika Williams is probably a stretch to be like a, a future piece on this team. Okay. Mm-hmm. But his defense is great. I love having that on the bench. And if he can contribute a little bit offensively, great. But how do you know until you that's play true. him? So that's why you have to do it. That's why you have to do it. And you have to sit guys like Pagaro every once in a while. doesn't mean you, you want to. I personally would give up the ghost on using McCutcheon as often as they do and start putting some of these kids into the DH role, especially since we know McCutcheon's been nursing injuries all year. If he's truly coming back next year, which it sounds like everybody and their mother knows as a certainty of fact, then let's rest him and make sure that he comes back next year, hundred percent healthy and not used up, man. Like whatever he's nursing, let him nurse it. Have some guys play. Yeah, give him a breather. The the you know down the stretch a little bit more than he has been. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. I mean, he hasn't fallen off the a cliff. Uh, but he hasn't been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year. And I think that that's just natural. So sure. um, yeah, like. There, there's some juggling going to go on. I do like the fact that when we, at least when we talk about like guys like Triolo and Williams, is at least, at least we know defensively they're stellar. That if you are going to put them in a game, that you know that they, there, there'll be no drop off there. If not slight, a slight increase depending on where. Um, and as Gary mentioned, with either one of them, Casey, I happen to agree with you. I think Triolo is always going to have. A real 
uphill battle offensively. I just, I do. But there are places for guys like that on, on good teams. And, um, you know, hopefully we're not asking guys like that anymore to be anything but that. I think it's the same That's a good point for him and Alika Williams to a degree. You know, they're both guys that probably have an offensive upside that only reaches so high, right? But they both are quality gloves. I mean, Alika Williams gets put in the game, the last game today of this Braves series, and the first ball, of course, gets hit to him because that's a law in baseball. <laughs> and he makes a crazy play. And Insane. Revis made a crazy play on the other end of it to make it count. But that's that is valuable. Like you want something like that on your team. And I'd also say there's a lot of talk already about like Nick Gonzalez being like a a 40 man casualty or trade bait right now, or, you know, there are a lot of options. Keep in mind, Tukapita Marcano is going to start the year next year on the 60 day. If he survives the 40 man, he might not. G1 Bay still exists. Like, I'm just saying, there's a lot of guys that they still have to work through that we haven't really gotten to see yet. Nick Gonzalez is not going to get washed out that quickly. You might think that ultimately this is exactly what you thought he'd be, and you were right, and you're waving your I was right flags all over social media. I get that. I'm convinced that's like two people too, just with like 9,000 accounts. Cause they say the same crap, <laughs> no matter which site you're on. But regardless, Nick Gonzalez is what Nick Gonzalez is. He's a first round pick. He came up for a hundred at bats. They sent him back down to work on some stuff. He'll either figure it out or he won't. But over the off season, you're going to give your number one pick that shot to like do work over the offseason and improve on what you wanted him to improve on. Defensively, I think he's as solid as anybody. So if you got a guy that can potentially pop you 15, 20 home runs and maybe hit 260 and play good defense and he winds up being a bench bat, that might be better than Alika Williams or, or Triolo. You have to play all the angles here, folks. You can't just wash guys out just because you've seen enough. This stuff takes years to figure out. You don't decide in a hundred at bats, anything. Oh, for sure. Nick Gonzalez has a way higher upside. I think than both those two, but because just because his bat and his defense was looked looked great up here, but you know, he's got to figure out that strikeout, that strikeout rate and chasing and all that too. So yeah, he's got to learn how to hit breaking pitches. That's really it. I mean, you can hit fastballs a ton, but nobody will throw him one, Jim. I mean, Nick Gonzalez is an interesting character because I feel like that he has to probably make this team or at least be considered for it next year. But I don't know where he plays. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I haven't seen anything on him uh, since he's been back down. Um, I don't know if you guys have, uh, just nothing. I, uh, it just come, it just came to mind that I really hadn't seen it. Nothing of note. No. Yeah. I think he had one like stellar deep play in short, but that's nothing on the offensive side, which usually means nothing good. Yeah. Like nobody's talked about Termar Johnson since his promotion to Greensboro. Cause he was like two for 24. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So nobody will right. talk about it until he hits a home run and Cody puts up a video and everyone freaks out because he's the second coming. You know, <laughs> that, that that's really all this is. Like Paul Skeens went three innings today in his um, professional debut. I think he threw 11 pitches or something, got a strikeout, hit 102 on the gun once. No hits. Yay. That's awesome. Now he'll probably go up to Bradenton and pitch a game or two before he gets shut down. I have already seen people say that if they're not, if they're serious at all, he's he's the opening day starter. You're insane. That's <laughs> not going to happen. That's not going to happen. If that's really your qualifier for whether you're going to follow this thing out or not, just hang up. Just I hang was up just, the phone. I was just talking to a Braves fan <laughs> the other day at the game. You know what he was complaining about? The what? Braves manipulating guys. <laughs> really? Yeah. Didn't Michael Harris come straight from Double A and get an extension like that year? He did. Believe it or not, he he was talking about it, and he doesn't like it. And I'm thinking, well, buddy, do I have a team for you? And and but but the but the reality is is you know everyone thinks. It's just good sometimes. You got to get out of the pirates bubble sometimes. It's, you have to. You have you gotta to. stop assuming when there's one or two idiots on social media that it means there's a thousand people out there just like them. There I is have, not. I have friends here in Chicago <laughs> that complain about the Cubs spending, and I'm like, the Cubs spending. <laughs> Come to Pittsburgh. And then let's talk about spending. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Jim, because I was thinking about the Braves as we were watching this series a little bit and I actually had a thought like I know that they they've traded some of their farm system to get other players and whatnot, but not as much as you'd think. And when you look at their system, I sit there and I go, man, how does anybody crack through? Everybody here is, is locked up for like forever. They have an opening for a shortstop. I would, I would say long-term if somebody comes up and they probably have an opener for a left fielder. Like that's what they got. Like yeah. if you're not playing left field or shortstop for the brave system or starting pitcher or pitcher in general, I don't know how you break this team. I don't know how you ever expect to like actually make this team. They've got the whole thing locked up for like a decade. It's really incredible when you look at it. Um, it just, it just is. Um, and, you know, going back to just them, the Pirates, even in just the four games series, just being able to play with them at this point, um, because you have to start, you have to start trying to say, like, can, can we compete with teams like that at some point? Can we do that? Well, you got to start somewhere. And so, you know, that's that, I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me from the series. Yeah, I would agree, man. It's a great series. I think that was a good look back at what we think of the locks. And I think what we found really is I think we got a couple outfielders. I think we got enough to cover the middle infield that I wouldn't even consider going outside of the organization for anything. What do you think? I think we're good there. Third base, I'm fine. First base needs help. Country's probably fine. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you one one area where I, I, I think you saw it in, in the Brave series is the difference is got to get better defensively in the outfield. 
We have to get better there. You know, um, whether, whether that's, uh, you know, like arms are a big difference there. Um, how guys track balls, the jumps they're getting, you know, you're going to get into some series where you don't want that to be the difference. And when you yeah. see a team like the Braves and what they're capable of and how they'll, how teams won't run on them. You know what I mean? Like, and ne not necessarily, you, you, you don't have that fear against the Pirates. Yes, Henry Davis has a cannon, but there's some adventures going on there before the yeah. cannon is loaded. After his throws, he's not yes. sure where they're going. Like, yeah, yeah. he's got some work so, to do. That that stood out to me. I thought, got it. We got to get better there. Yeah, I think Palacios might be our best defender in the outfield right now. And yeah. uh, what I mean by that, and he even took a weird circuitous route to a ball today that could have ended in disaster if, if he didn't make the catch. But I think he's probably our most consistent performer, and he's probably the only arm you can really put in any of the three slots and kind of feel pretty decent about it. Um. Henry's got work to do on just tracking balls and knowing what happens off of a bat. And I don't know that either comes or it doesn't at some point you either get that or you don't. That's like a lot of people have always talked about shoving O'Neill Cruz out there. Like, like he was some kind of misfit toy that you had to find a home for. You always want to shove him in the outfield. And I always tell people like, it's not second nature to shag balls to some people. It just isn't like, it doesn't come to everyone. I, right. And then even then you have some guys that they have to be facing it straight on. If they're not the center fielder, forget it. They can't ever read the ball off the bat unless they're right in center field, right in front of it. So it's, it's not just a plug and play thing to shove somebody out in the outfield. I don't know if Davis is cut for it or not. The arm certainly plays. I just don't know that he's going to learn how to track balls properly. And I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent done with him as a catcher either. Andy has shown, Andy has looked it's, to me like that's the only problem is, is like Andy has looked so athletic behind the plate and really good instincts, I think. And um, unfortunately we haven't been able to kind of make that comparison because we're not seeing Henry. Yeah. But you know, um, it's hard when you see Andy because he, if, if Henry Davis can't catch now, is how, how much does he have to go to, to then be better than Andy looks like he's going to be, you know? So that's, that, that is a, a big question that's coming down the road. I think. So here's an interesting question from Jeremy here. Do you guys think that a guy like Davis would benefit from fall ball or winter league spend time working in right field? He could. Um, I actually think that he's probably already stretched to his limit by the end of this season. This will be the most baseball he's ever played by the time he finishes this year, if he doesn't get hurt again. So I would imagine he's, probably safe from going to fall or winter ball, but I, I could see him going to extended spring training, you know, like really early reporting with pitchers and catchers and, and doing both. We'll see what they do with him in the off season. I'm holding on to catcher because I'm confident that Henry is holding on to catcher. 
And I know it's important to him. And I think it's important enough to him that he's going to force their hand into giving him a crack at it. The, what the two innings I've seen in, in, you know, the bigs, I don't know how you could watch those two innings of, of him catching and think that he should be starting a game. I just don't. He looks awful. He doesn't look like he's set up. Andy has technique issues too that I think cropped up in this series quite a bit. As athletic as he is, and he makes up for it with his arm, but he doesn't set up right or block everything either. In fact, the third game of this series was a nightmare as far as that stuff goes. So, yeah, to me, there's a lot of work to be done on on the catching, and I still think they should probably bring in another veteran, or we're going to see Jason Delay again next year. Yeah, and and, and when you mentioned about you know um, him still seeing himself as a catcher, look, Henry Davis is going to do what they ask him to do. He's just that kind of ball player, right? Um, but but. If you don't think it's deflating for a guy that's been a catcher on some yeah, deflating on some level to get stuck in right field after you are so involved, so involved and you and, and you love the position, um, that that doesn't go away. And, you know, maybe it's a good problem to have in the sense they've got two of them and hopefully Henry. Um, you know, uh, still continues to develop there, but I can I can see uh, only being satisfied with that role. There's nothing against right field. I'm just saying, like to go from catching and the involvement that you have and the uh, interactions you have to all of a sudden just being stuck in right field. Yeah, that'd be a tough for a competitive guy. That's a tough pill to swallow. I would assume. Hey. I mean, you know, Kutch, look at Kutch whenever he got taken out of center field. Yeah. Didn't like that one bit because I mean, there's, the Pirates, there's Pirates have there's just, think much there's just certain positions that like you, you love the play and you can feel like it's a demotion if you're not playing them. Yeah. I don't get the impression that he's going to sulk about it. I just feel like no. he, he's going to want a shot at it. And, right. and that's going to have to come like in, in, major league baseball games and that's probably going to be in the spring and i think we'll probably see him just migrate out to right field long term axial plaz and adrian gutierrez are better defensive catchers than either of these two bluntly um so i could see this being short term anyway you know what I mean? Yeah. So finding other spots for, for important bats, I don't think is a problem I'm ever going to really hate having. Um, it's always going to be a good thing. Let's take another break now. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about some individual player stuff. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. 
Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Let's talk a little bit about Jack Sawinski because Jack Sawinski is still, still a super hot button issue. People that think he's good can't really effectively explain why they think he's good to people that doubt all of these modern numbers that, that testify he is. Um, it's, it's home run walk, strike out nothing with him. And it's a struggle. I mean, I, I'm not blind to the problems until they find somebody that is truly better or more of a threat consistently. I just don't think that it's big enough to be pushing him out of the way. There's nobody really coming along saying I'm going to be more effective in major league baseball right now than Jack Sawinski is. You have to play him, Jim. I just, you have to deal with, with the one for 29s and the two for 44s and, and stuff in a hope and prayer effort to get what he does give you when he does start hitting. It's not ideal. Again, I've said this multiple times. It's hard to put a guy like that in your lineup. You don't know where to put him. There's games where you have him batting sixth or seventh and you, you slap yourself in the head because you should have had him third or fourth. There's games when he bats first or second or third and you wish that you had him batting eighth or ninth. How do you handle a guy like that? And and can he get better, Jim? Because what I see from him, I'm not sure. The whiff rate's elite. He doesn't he doesn't chase. But the the amount of the zone that he can actually do damage in is so small that you can pitch around him in the zone. And I think we see it all the time. He's gotta find a way to expand that. Yeah, man. I don't know that we. I, I don't know. I don't know a player in recent memory or memory in general that 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 can be so hard to um, kind of analyze and kind of figure out what he is and what he can be. Um, look, his last hundred at bats have been bad, real bad. You know. Um, I think he's he's striking out 40 times in his last 100 at bats. He's, you know, um, yeah, there's, I think he's got five home runs during that stretch, but it, it's, it's the people aren't patient in baseball anyway. And yeah. Jack, Jack takes that to a whole new level because of the length of, of the streakiness. I, I don't know. I, you know, um, I think the next month and a half for Jack is really important. Yeah. And um, but back, but back to your original point, Gary, and this is just it is like, until somebody pushes their way past him, yeah. what are, what are, what are we losing by at least letting a 25 year old, who's shown the ability to make some adjustments, not keep trying to make more adjustments to see if he can even some things out. And, and, and you that's know, without even mentioning that one of the biggest adjustments they could make is probably changing the hitting instructor. I think they're going to yep. have to do that, mm-hmm. but that's one aspect of Jack. 
I'm going to just say a phrase before I throw it off to Casey here to talk about Jack. And I think it applies across the board as we watch all these kids on board. It's, it's basically good enough for a championship does not have to equal best right now. What's best right now in order to get to that point doesn't necessarily have to equal. Like, I don't have to say that Alika Williams is going to be the shortstop of this team when they win a championship for me to say on Wednesday night, Alika Williams was the best option at shortstop. Do you get what I mean? I think we're going to have to play that game a lot as we watch these kids roll through here. And I wouldn't, I would quit marrying them right away too. these people like they're they're going out, throwing up these lists of who has to play every day and and whatnot right now. I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be buying jerseys for Pagaro. I think he's done really well, but just think about all the competition that you know about and, and, and most of you don't dig into this system the way some people do. Like if I had Anthony Murphy on here talking about this system right now, he could make it seem like there's no way in hell Pagaro could possibly hold on to that position for three years just by telling you about Chang and some of the other guys that haven't even crossed your mind yet. Stop marrying these guys. That's how this works when you get this many prospects. So, Casey, what do you think about Jack Sawinski? I mean, what are you seeing? Are you frustrated? What can they do with him that's different than what they're doing? I think, first off, the hitting coach is a problem for sure because he's not able to help him get out of this funk fast enough. But, man, listen, he has 637 at-bats in the major leagues, has 40 home runs. That's It's hard to give up on something like that. I mean, he has an elite walk rate, his baseball savant, he hits hard, but then he has like the worst whiff rate, uh, strikeout rate, you know, and on those pages too. Uh, he's, he also still has the highest OPS on our team this year. Yeah. He still does. Even after these last hundred of bats have been awful. So like all those things, it's like, I don't know how you can just give up on a guy only 25. I do think. Though there's no one pushing them either right now. There's no one saying, hey, I'm going to take your at-bats. Giovan Bay was what the closest thing we had, but he's been hurt and totally different players. Yeah. And That's a fact, man, because we're talking about a team that has a catcher actively starting every <laughs> night in right field. Exactly. We don't have outfielders climbing up their backs, you know? Mm-hmm. Guys that we thought might be like Matt Frazier and Matt Gorski haven't really taken steps forward, I, I wouldn't say. CSN hasn't really done a whole lot to really get an, earn another look, I would say. And I think a lot of us kind of thought his arm might have been a little too weak, too. Um, Cal Mitchell, we know about the arm, and the bat is just nothing special. But I think there's a reason Josh Palacios is on this team, Jim. <laughs> I mean, like, we Absolutely. don't have offensively oriented, especially power laden outfielders pushing Jack out of the way. So why again, would we not just play him? And I I suggest why not just play him every day, but put him in a position to, to succeed. Putting a guy like that in lead off. I'm sorry. 
I don't need to see it. <laughs> He'll see a ton of pitches. He'll walk and whatnot. But when he's in these slumps, man, you have got to like play the percentages and lower him a little bit, right? I mean, you can't just leave him up there stubbornly. Well, yeah, I mean, the 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 big picture is you show me another guy on in the Pirates on their team or in their system that has hit 40 home runs and in, in 600 some at bats. Show me it. He was number one. He's the fastest one ever. The 40. So, so, I mean, you know, if, if, if we had an embarrassment of riches out there and you were just like, look, you know, it's holding up other guys. We're going to strictly platoon him or whatever. I, I would say, okay. You know, yeah, right. but he's not 28 and 29 years old and you, you you're a hundred percent sure that he is just what he is. Um, people can say all they want about that. They know that for a fact right now, you just cannot say that about a guy, his age with that many at bats in the major league. Yet. You cannot the closest. The closest I can come is I, I throw all the averages and OPSs and WRC pluses and all that crap out the window. This is just me watching Jack Swinsky hit. I know how to get him out. I'm not a scout. You know, throw around the edges. If you can paint the black, you're going to get Jack Swinsky out. Period. If you can paint the edges of the zone and you have an umpire that's going to give you fair calls as a pitcher, you will get Jack Swinsky out. He can't cover the zone. That's the problem. He just can't. He has a great eye, but he can't cover the zone. Until he learns how to cover the zone and do something other than that golf shot home run, this is what he is. That might be okay. That might be the best they ever get. But that is all he'll be. We talk about yeah. adjustments. The adjustment he needs to make now is to learn how to foul off at least some of that Survive. stuff that's in the zone elsewhere and preferably learn to go the other way when they pitch you on the outer third. That, that's what has to happen. And when he goes right. the other way now, people praise him. He's just late. <laughs> that's, that's not yeah. going the other way. That's not having For the sure. bat speed to catch up. It, I mean, congratulations. You did get the right thing to happen, but th that's not purposeful. I'm talking hunting going away. That That's I mean, his solution. I think what's interesting with Jack, too, is if he can do this with adequate defense that he plays in center. I think this is his first year, full season in center. And he's, he's learning that angle, but if he gets better, if he, you know, full year under the belt off season coming up, he has, he has played solid defense at points. And I think that's valuable. How many center fielders are going to give you potentially 30 home runs a year? Not many. So See, I've seen him as having relatively positive defense as well. Yeah. But I see a ton of people talk about his well, arm. His arm's not strong, and his outs or his uh, outfield jump is really bad. But then he has a really good outs above replacement. So it's just it's different than the corner slot. Your jump is I I was awful when I played center, but left and right I could do be way better because it's just an easier jump for me. So like you said earlier in the show, it's certain angles some people struggle with. Right. I I wouldn't keep him in center. I, I would not. I don't think that, and I think people have to remember that too. Is like he's being asked to play there. 
you know, he's not demanding it. Henry Davis is being asked to play right field. Sometimes guys aren't suited for it. I don't think he's embarrassed himself. I think, I think ideally on a team that has some real aspirations, you want to get better out there, especially in the center field. Yeah. For me, like strength up the middle type stuff we're talking. Um, I just don't get upset at him because I look at it like they're asking the guy to do it. If he's capable, I guess he'll show it. If he's not, well, that's going to show up too. It's it's not his fault. Well, here's so, what scares me though. You talk about the the outfield defense needing to improve. It's a great observation. You're 100 right. This series did show that they've got three locked in pieces right now. Okay, Jack Swinski, Brian Reynolds, Henry Davis. That's never going to equal a good off a good outfield. It never is. Um, Jack Swinski, you said you wouldn't play him in center. Well, the other option right now is Reynolds. Right. So Reynolds, I think, has proven left field is a little too much for him right now. I don't think he's getting to balls. I don't think his routes are great. I don't think his arm is even as good as it was two years ago, which is kind of insane. I'm not going to move him to first base, Yark. So just when you, whenever you listen to this. He's furiously, furiously typing in the comments. <laughs> right. But then you have like those two. And then if Henry Davis sticks out there, he's, he's playing right field. Somebody asked earlier in the chat, why doesn't he play left field? Because it's easiest. Well, at PNC Park, it's not easy. Oh my God, no. Fields, basically. Please don't. Please don't put him out there. <laughs> well, he's in right field because when you have a, an 80-grade arm, that's a right fielder. That's where Clemente played for a reason. That's where Parker played for a reason. That's where, you know, uh, all of the, the greatest arms play because you can – get people out and keep people from trying to go to third from right field. That's what it's about. Um, left field is different. And at PNC park, it's really different. It's cavernous. It takes a lot of uh, technique to like cover all that ground. I personally think Reynolds is a more confident fielder in center field. And if we really don't believe either of their um, arms matter or either of their arms are good enough, I'd flip them and have Jack play left <laughs> just because I think his arm will play better there. And I've actually liked Jack better as a left fielder as well. So I think, I think too, like a, a jump for outfielder, man, that's hard to develop. I think a lot of that is, is kind of an in, in innate ability that you have. Um, yeah. Like I, Bay just I, came up having no experience and showed jump that nobody has. Yeah, but he doesn't like, have an arm either. Yeah, I just I, I don't know how much that's something that you can develop. Can you get better at it? Yeah, I'm sure. Right. And I'm sure with, you know, experience, you can do that. But we're talking about like truly, truly having um, a good jump just naturally. Man, that's tough to just duplicate and replicate, in my opinion. I would agree. Now it's time for us to talk about another hot button player. David Bednar. Um, <laughs> the renegade two blown saves in his last three we talked a little last week about you know he starts to slow down this time of year just about every year um, and I saw some people talking about overuse so just pulled these stats up because I just wanted to kind of get it on the record he's uh, pitched 47 innings in 46 games um, poor perspective uh, Camilla Duvall has pitched 
52 innings in 52 games. Alexis Diaz has pitched 50 innings in 52 games. Emmanuel Clase has pitched 51 innings in 52 games. He's pretty much right on par with all that. If anything, he's a little bit under. Now, has he been overused very recently? Well, yes. The Pirates don't win as often as some of those other teams, do they? So, like, you kind of have to use them when you have to use them. And David tells Derek Shelton, I'm okay for this third game. You know, um, it's not Derek Shelton's inclination to use a closer three days in a row. I don't think that that's something he wants to do. Um, David Bednar, though. Is he really somebody that we want to extend? There's been a lot of talking about that. And Jim, the more I watch, the more I I realize I don't think that I want to see us extend a closer as much as I love David Bednar. If this is what happens in the second half of years, and I am going to investigate this more, more fully. But if I can prove it out that it's happening every single year, regardless of, of usage, I'm not sure how you go forward with that as like, yes, this is my closer. Let me lock him down for three or four extra years on top of his ARB numbers, you know? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting dilemma here in Pittsburgh with him being from here. And um, yeah. It shouldn't Love. be. The Pittsburgher in me says it should be, but it shouldn't be. Sure. Yeah. I look, he'll be 29 in October. Um you know, those are you know, and, and he's a guy that he goes out there. I mean, you only have so many bullets in these arms, right? Um and I think they'd really have to think long and hard about that as far as an extension type situation goes. And let's be honest, if, if you're not able to kind of replicate first halves of seasons, you have any aspirations of doing anything during a season and kind of getting somewhere in that season, hopefully postseason at some point. That's not the way you want to be doing it. I mean, that's backwards from how you, you want to be doing it. You can't have that. So I think it's a fair question. You know, I, I think, Gary, you mentioned it a couple shows ago. And I, I look, none of us, let me just, let me just preface it by saying this. None of us are winning any uh, Ironman competitions. So let, let's, let's make sure we say that first. No, I'm, I'm in the running for the balsa wood competition. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's breaking news right there. I am uh, softer than puppy poop on a hot summer sidewalk, <laughs> my friend. So but you, I'm not judging at all. <laughs> you, you know, but but you know, look, they have him listed. I think at six foot two twenty five. Yeah. Let me tell you how accurate that is. Remember how Jerome Bettis was listed at like six <laughs> foot two thirty. Five or whatever it was, this is like I, all I'm saying is, is like you mentioned this before. Hey, look, you know maybe you need to. Everyone loves him. He's the the beer case carrying shot banging Yinzer, but at some point, uh, 
is it something I I'm concerned about? Yes, because I I don't know that that's sustainable. Right. And Casey, they have him for three more years of arbitration. So he's under team control control through 2026. I don't think the Pirates expect this whole thing to be over in 2026. So if you want David Bednar to be part of this whole thing, you're going to extend him for a couple years into his age 33 season-ish, I would say. And even then, you're probably trading him in 2027. Right, you're yeah. not like this. Isn't a guy that's going to be here through the end of the decade. Sorry, closers just don't last that long. So at some point, sentimentality is going to lose out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think with David, you know, the the Pittsburgher in you, you don't want to see him go anyplace. You want him to see his re- retire. Same, you know, same with Kutch. It's heartbreaking when we trade Kutch, you know, because he he brought us back to the playoffs and he embraced the city. I, this closers are so vital. I mean, like, how many times do you have all-star closers continuing the same level into their 30s? It's pretty rare. And when they do, they go to the Hall of Fame. So, I'm not saying that, you know, David can't do that. It's just, it's just the odds are against it, him to do that. It's rarely a pretty dismount. For, yeah, for absolutely. These types of guys, I mean, absolutely. point blank. You know, that just is. For every, for every Mariano Rivera, I can count about 15 that were forced into retirement because they stunk, not because they wanted to be done. Um, I, it's, it's a sad ending. It's a tough position in baseball. I just think that we should probably not get carried away with thinking David Bednar is going to carry this team on his back through playoff runs through, through the end of the decade because I just – don't think it's feasible for him to be the same level pitcher he is. Now, if you can get him to sign a hometown discount, and in this case, I actually mean hometown discount. <laughs> if, if you could get him to sign something like through 2030, where by the end of it, he's only making like four or 5 million. I, I'd do that. I, I mean, like, cause even if he's not a closer, then he can still be an effective arm in your bullpen, but Everything he does, I'm just saying it's not going to get better with age. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if you know, look at what they're bringing in right now. Look at look at what Andre Jackson looks like. I mean, like this is a guy they just picked up that was in Double A somewhere, like for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like they're they're finding pieces that I think are are showing that this velocity stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. They find closers and, and it does work out. I, I wouldn't hitch my wagon to him. The other one I wanted to bring up, guys, before we go is Mitch Keller because the second half of his season has been brutal. I mean, if he looked like this in the first half, I think we'd be having a lot different conversations about Mitch Keller. I really do. Um, this would have been probably the year where you're talking about do we non tender this guy? Like (laughs) this was the way he looked all season. Now, what I don't understand, Casey, is here's a guy who found success again by using his two seam fastball. And now for some reason, he's gone away from it. Seems like he really wants to be successful with that four seam fastball, but it just doesn't work for him. So is he being stubborn? Is the team being stubborn? 
it seems weird that it's this team because they love to preach the two-seamer. I'm sure they would love it if he would throw that more often. Yeah, also, he's, it seems like he's in love with the cutter right now, too. Mm-hmm. If you look at his last starts, I swear, every every time they hit a homer off it, it's the cutter. It's the cutter coming in to lefties. It, it seems like he won't throw the two-seamers to lefties. He'll only throw the cutter to lefties. and Which is counterintuitive. Right, because you want to go away from the sweet spot on the bat, away from their swing. I don't. That just right. doesn't make sense to me. And I know you can get jam shots with the cutter, but he seems in love with the cutter right now. I think, you know, I think he's just being stubborn. He wants to – it worked for him earlier in the season, so he wants to get back to that. But there's scouting reports, and a lot of teams have better scouting reports than our hitting coach does. So yeah, they're going to be able to figure it out. And when you throw a 89-mile-per-hour cutter right into the heart of the zone, they're going to they're gonna hit it hard. Jim, I don't, want you, I don't even want to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't want I don't want Austin Hedges back. But is Mitch Keller a guy that needs somebody like that? And if so, is he signable? Because I don't know that we want to carry someone like that. Well, I guess I'd have to see um, what kind of contract we're talking. I still think he's super important. I think if he's not a part of it, then you've really got some problems on that pitching side of things. I think he has to be one of those guys you're talking in the top two or three of that rotation. Um, You know, he's carrying a lot of innings right now. I think Um, I, I don't know that necessarily you have to be worried about maybe backing him off or limiting him. His velocity still seems pretty good. I, you know, I question maybe is he's just not getting the same movement he was that he that he was getting early in the year when you're talking uh, that live arm type of action. I don't know. Am I concerned? Yeah. I mean, it, it has not looked pretty uh, since the All-Star break. I still think he'll be okay. I still think there's enough with his, his arsenal and his amount of – pitches and his velocity that he'll he'll get back on track um but you're right gary if this had been reversed in the season or he had been doing this all season then yeah we would we would be we would be ready to wash our hands of it yeah it's a lot it's a lot to ask a guy to reinvent himself and all of a sudden come up and be an all-star and then you have to hold on to that all year. It's very hard to hold on to something like that all year. Seeing Jeff Locke do something like that, right? Um, Through the years, we've seen this countless times. It happens all over the league. Really hard to string together a complete year as a starting pitcher. That said, it is alarming. And, And Mitch Keller might be a guy that he might have too many options at his disposal. He might be a guy that just somebody needs to narrow him down a little bit. Tell him, hey, I don't think you need the cutter and the slider, cowboy. They kind of do the same thing, except one sucks a little. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, maybe uh, the four seam, you're going to use it. Okay. But only upstairs. Right. For a chase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I just think there's there's ways that they need to harness him. I felt like Austin Hedges did a legitimately good job doing that with him. Really called a great game with him. 
Delay did okay the other night. I don't think Andy calling games has been a problem. But I think for Mitch Keller, it might be overwhelming, just all the options you have. It's almost like playing a video game with somebody that's got like six pitches and you don't know what to throw anymore. <laughs> you could throw anything. I, I think maybe a, a kid catcher might get carried away with some of those toys at his disposal. And Mitch has to be smart enough to shake them off, too. So I think there's just some growth that needs to happen there. Oscar Marin needs to really step in and, and get his arms around what his problems are and eliminate some things from his arsenal, I think. But I would sign him. I'd, I'd turn around and approach him with the exact same thing that they already did that people ran around calling a low ball. I'd add a couple hundred thousand dollars and I'd say, what do you think now? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, right? I mean, like, yeah, because I think then you, then you can say like, okay, it's worth the gamble at that point. Yeah. Um, but like, if they've had if they had super super high aspirations, whoever his agent is and whatever, I think those are can be tempered a little bit. And you know, for Mitch, he's he's always seemed to be a step behind on the development side of things. I'm like this is another part of that where like he's now had some success and now it's, you know, they've punched back a little bit. Like he, this is probably two years ago. This should have happened. So maybe it's just, you know, it's just the other, the next example of the late process that he seems to have to go through in every phase. Hey, this has been a great conversation. Casey, you did awesome on the show. If you were worried at all, no reason to, you were great. Thanks, brother. Uh, how do people get a hold of you on Twitter, sir? Um, at Herky Jerky. Um, it's a nickname I got. My dad actually got when he was in high school for, and it got passed to me. So, um, but yeah, that's that's what I use for Twitter. Um, but yeah, I just love chilling in in that pirate Twitter space and figuring out what do we even do with this team? Because <laughs> there's been times, you know, being in Chicago, it's like, oh, I could just go cheer for this team, but. You got you to root for the underdogs every once in a while, and it seems like we got that every season. So, Well, Jim, we got to root for the underdogs every single day, so that's what we do. <laughs> uh, any parting shots from you there, uh, Pittsburgh world traveler? No, man. Like, uh, get out. Enjoy this city if you live here. Um been doing a lot of that this week with my son. My wife's been out of town, and um, just, you know, Get out and enjoy it while the weather's good and football's on the way soon and we'll get a respite from that. But man, it's a great city we live in and I'm, I'm super appreciative to be to be here and be doing this with you, Gary, and meeting people like Casey. It's just, yeah, this is this is so cool to me. It's good stuff. 100th episode next week. Uh, we've already invited a bunch of you back. Let's make sure that you get a hold of me. DM me if you're interested in being on the show. Uh, we've already got Graves signed up, and uh, she's going to be the star. So we'll, we'll move good on deal. from there beyond that. But next week, 100th episode should be a good time. Um, let's welcome Eric Carlson to town. Thank you. We, we, we hope that you get the cup you're chasing, sir. That's um, right. And, uh, hey, welcome back, Pittsburgh Steelers. First uh, preseason game is tomorrow night. Looking forward to seeing that and hoping to see some of Kenny's maturation. Um, he's, it's going to be fun to watch them all year, too. I think they're in, in a different league and everything, kind of in the same boat. 
ton of kids coming together. Let's see what happens there. And yeah. uh, the sky's the limit. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yep. So without further ado, I'll toss it off to Ben on the audio. And for Yin's watching, let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.